You're listening to the best of ITW, brought to you by PopGuide and WikiLeaf. The new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. On this episode, ITW welcomes part one with actor, comedian, advocate, musician, and icon, Tommy Chong. Scene three, take one. Stolen from Bubba. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, you said that I could do that yeah, this you time. Yeah, you did say Well, you know what, And then man? you just grabbed it. Like, you didn't even give me the opportunity. Oh, and then, you know. And then I, you fucked it up. I kind of forgot I said that. I may not have said that, though. Could we rewind the uh, the, the, sh- the footage, please? Could we get it up on the uh, screen? Yeah. All no, right, well, it's not working right now, that. so yeah, we're going to have to debate this later. But So, <laughs> so next up, we're going uh, to recap uh, the Tommy Chong experience that we had. This is yeah. the biggest, honestly, the fuck. This is it's the, the biggest bummer yeah. for me. And like, oh. not only the interview, because like, yeah. the interview is amazing. Thank you. I listened to it. You guys absolutely slayed it. Thank you so much. But the story of how this interview happened oh, is dude. just like, it's so legendary. It's like one of those legendary people when he just showed up there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fucking we, we incredible. Just boop over the wall. And it was like Chong, like the character of Chong. So, you know? so how we kind of got in, involved with these dudes is uh, when I was working with Clint Young over at MMJ Cannabis, we did a Tommy Chong event at McMaster University, and we met him kind of briefly. We sponsored us, and so we did it. And we kind of snuck our way in there, and there's a black market thing, and the university would not be stoked about that. But uh, we got away with it, and he was super, super nice, and um, that's where we met Paris. And so Paris being Tommy Chong's son, and he kind of manages a bunch of it. I don't know how much, but a lot of the day-to-day. And so I messaged Paris trying to get him on the show because I thought it would be really interesting to have Tommy Chong's kid, right? Like that would be a fucking, I'd still like to do that interview. And he's like a surfer, super chill, and he fucks off all the time. But I guess he doesn't really like the attention. And so then it was kind of vague. And I'm like, we would be crazy if we didn't ask for your dad too. And so it kind of got vague there. And then we were like, I don't know if this is going to happen. And we had told the High Times guys that it was. We told Capetta, and we're like, we haven't <laughs> heard from anybody, right? And we're like, and you're like, do you think Tommy Chong's coming? We're sitting around the house smoking weed. It's just me and F. I remember, you know. And we're like, we don't know. And then like, uh, we talked to our friend John Capetta, who was later on the show too, uh, in this session. But um, and I'm like, we don't know what's happening. He's like, he's like, that's kind of the way it goes. You just don't know if it's gonna show up. And then we're like, I think we were kind of like, I think you were kind of getting a little sad and thinking yeah, it wasn't going to yeah. happen. I, I definitely didn't think it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, like Bubs just said, this little white, white head popped like over the, over the fence. It's like, is this the place? <laughs> it was amazing. It was, yeah. okay. it was Chong, like the fucking, like in the, out of a Chong movie. Yeah. Cheech and Chong yeah. movie. Yeah. Like, came, <laughs> came in all casual, just by himself, no entourage. He, he, he pulled in and parked like diagonal <laughs> in the driveway so no one else could get in in his fucking Tesla. <laughs> What's up? Was like, what? <laughs> so crazy. I know. And they came in and they smoked bongs with us for a bit, just a little bit. It was cool. And he's like, hey, does somebody got a little snip, nip of a bong or something? Yeah, Remember he said something yeah, like that? Yeah, And then uh, we smoked weed with him. And then, you know, it was kind, it's kind of a blur because it's so fucking crazy because he's so iconic. Like, he's an actual fucking icon. Not just a weed icon, but like comedy icon, Human music icon. icon just you know, an icon. Yeah. It's pretty rad. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Canadian legend too, no? 
Yeah, originally Canadian. And I, we found out on that, uh, I think Alberta, Edmonton was where he was born and then moved to Vancouver. Yeah. I always thought he was in Vancouver. And I like that he dove deep into his music career. Yeah, me too. Me too. Pre-comedy. Sorry, it's fucking rad because that's a pretty Im- impressive part of his, his life. And I was psyched too when we were talking about how he had sold 30 million copies of Cheech and Chong records and stuff. And that we we touched on the Christmas uh, record and uh, Cheech has a song he sings on there. And I, I started singing it and he joined me. And in my head, I was like, oh my God. And like you, you kept singing it along with me, so I sang it out. It was really cool to see. I mean, there were so many cool things about that conversation because like when he found out we were musicians or oh, yeah, yeah. musicians, it like like there was. That's why I ended up I think becoming like a two parter because broke he, down. yeah, and he just started. It was just talking about touring and jamming mm-hmm. and so many relatable things. Um, you know, finding out that he, uh, you know, who was it? Um, Diana Ross. That's the, he went on tour with Diana Ross. Like he had a whole career in Motown before and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, he gets into, but uh, it was really nice seeing you um, not only fanboy, because you kind of fanboy out a lot, but yeah. you like, you turned into a little kid. I felt like a little kid. Talking and, and then to when him. you started talking about, um, you know, having like a, like a, you know, Mexican American hero, like, uh, yeah. like, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was really, it was what a sincere moment and kind of a cool thing to get to witness, you know, it's oh, wild. Wild dude. Yeah. It, it was cool, man. Like I, I like, I, I can't un-memorize the lyrics to Cheech and Chong songs. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was just totally surreal to me. It was cool, man. Yeah. Like, and it was like you said, he was like weed Jesus. <laughs> like, dude, weed Christ. Weed Christ, yeah. Because he is so calming. Like he's so... Uh, he had an energy about him. Yeah. Like Something just, about him just made you feel cool. Yeah. Everything's chill. Fucking... And just no judgment more, or something like it's just, exactly like it's wild. And he, and and you felt so comfortable and loose and just receptive to hearing his wisdom. His wisdom, you know. And you quoted him earlier uh, today, where it, like one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard in my life from him was, you know, the great thing about weed is that no, it was a kid that that quote comes from that that that, that show before. It was a kid uh, asked him what the best thing about weed was, and he looked at the kid. He said, "You don't have to do it." Yeah. Fucking amazing. Yeah, it means you know no one's forcing you to smoke weed. That's yeah. I mean, that's the best thing. It's just kind of ah, Chong, whoa, whoa. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's uh how uh, I'll never forget spending that time with him. Yeah. It's all it's all like being in jail. <laughs> okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like when you're doing a movie, you're basically incarcerated. Right. Because they tell you what to wear, what to say, where to go, what to do, what to eat, where to sleep. Yeah. And then when to work the next day, <laughs> and then if you get time off, they'll they'll limit you. You know, okay, yeah. you got, you got maybe you got the weekend off, but we might need you, so stay close. Right. And next thing you know, uh, a year has gone by in your life. Wow. And so that's movies, and then touring is the same thing. Oh, touring, yeah, touring, yeah. Okay, we're we're meeting. We got to be at the whole airport. We got now we're at the hotel. You guys get these rooms and and we got sound check a certain time. Yep. Da 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 da. You know, and In we're gonna routine. we're eating here. They want to do this. What do you guys want to do? And if you get any time off, it's like, oh, we'll go sightseeing. Nah, we'll stay in the room. <laughs> yeah, that. Oh, man. I try to see as much as I can. I am that guy in my group that I am up early and I'm looking. Everything I can. Oh, yeah. I got five hours to see the city. Run to the train station. Look at the map. Zentrum. That's the city center. Let's go. You yeah. Know? yeah. And I get back in time for sound check. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, you're taking advantage of it. That's I'm good. trying. That's good. I'm really trying, but it's so easy to to just stay in. Yeah, remember, <laughs> you know? the three, remember the three dog night? Yeah, absolutely. Group? Yeah, they were uh, one of it was a, a big junkie, and so <laughs> everywhere they'd go, they stay in the room and black out the room, the windows. Oh, <laughs> really? They'd be in Hawaii, black out the windows. Oh, oh man, and that move. What? <laughs> you just, Dude, in Hawaii. Uh, to, to each his own. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's hilarious. Open up the window, sucker. Let me catch my breath. I know. <laughs> That's Three Dog Night. Mama's told me not to come. I think Three Dog Night had more number one singles. In, than the Beatles. Than the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. they did. Yeah. They did. That's crazy. Then they broke up, and it was a, not a good breakup, and they splintered. Uh, now, there's Danny Hutton is the only... Oh, one of the only, there's two singers, Danny Hutton and... Uh, Chuck Negro? Chuck yeah. Negro. And, and Chuck and Danny hate each other, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. Floyd Sneed, the drummer, was my uh, brother, my son, brother-in-law. Really? Yeah, I was married to his sister, my first marriage. What a trip. Yeah, Maxine. And so I've known Floyd. In fact, Floyd, my band was the first band he ever played in, drumming. And then uh, he became this monster drummer and... Went down to L.A. and and hit it big, and wow. he's not doing too good now health wise. You know, he's uh-huh. been, he's got a little bit of problems. You know, yeah. But he's uh, you so you know all those guys. Hmm? You know all those guys. Yeah, uh, a bunch of them died. Corey, uh, yeah, Corey Wells, Jimmy, and the the guitar player, I think. Yeah, they all passed. Uh-huh. How many bands were you in? Because you started playing in Vancouver, Me? obviously, right? Yeah, I was only in, actually, I was only in one band. We just, he just kept changing the name. <laughs> That's we hilarious. started out as the Shades. Oh, okay. Nice. Because we were all different colors. That's cool. And so we were the Calgary Shades. And we were the first R&B band in Canada, basically. Wow. wow. That was before, you know, right after Elvis. So you're, you're, you're from Calgary? I always thought you were from yeah. Vancouver. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Oh, sorry. Cal- okay. Calgary originally, or... Edmonton. I was born in Edmonton. Oh wow! wow. Then raised in Calgary, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calgary. I was, and then uh, we got kicked. We got deported to Vancouver. <laughs> what? How did that happen? We got kicked out of Calgary. <laughs> what? What? Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've always been socially uh, conscious. Yeah. You know, being uh, when I was really small, I was in an orphanage for a while because my dad came home from the war. He had some wounds. My mother had TB. She was in the TB ward. And uh-huh. so all the kids, my brother and my sister and I, we ended up in an orphanage, uh, uh, the booth, the Salvation Army home. And so that's when I, that, that was, that's my first memory, mm-hmm. you know, because I was about five years old, I guess, when wow. I ended up in there. I was in the hospital too. And then I went, when I got out of the hospital, I went right into the orphanage. And so I've always been surrounded by uh, people, you know, with no parents and, uh, you know, people of color, you know, Mm -hmm. native people. And that's why I grew up. Mm -hmm. And so that was my social consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so when I started a band, I always, first of all, I started hanging with a rough crowd. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I got... In, in trouble in Canada, they call it joyriding. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm also Canadian. I've been getting picked on by these, <laughs> picked on these guys all day, especially this one. So it's yeah. nice to have a fellow Canadian. But well, I've been Canadian, joyriding. It's great. Yeah. They call car theft 
joyride. Yeah. Because that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Right. Steal a car just to drive the piss out. Yeah, you weren't maliciously <laughs> stealing the car. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I was involved with, with that. So I got in trouble. Uh, and so then I went, we got arrested one night. It was funny. The car we stole, uh, I never stole it. That's a story of my life. I've been incarcerated a couple of times for something I never did. <laughs> but I just wow. happened to be there. Uh, my buddy stole the car, and then the battery died on it. And so we were trying under the car trying to get it going again, and the cops pulled up. Oh, no. And so we ran. But the snow had just fallen, so the cops just followed our tracks <laughs> till, oh, he, man. till he knocked on the door. And, and both of us, we jumped into bed with our clothes on. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the cops just walked, marched straight in, Not opened the door, marched straight in, and got us, took us down to the station, locked us up. And so, and then, then it was like a $100 fine or something like that. You know, my dad came and we paid the fine and got out. And so, when we started the band, by that time I had, I had talked to the, the magistrate, the judge, because I was curious, you know, because I was thinking, you know, there's, there's not, nothing for kids to do in, 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 in Calgary. You know, there, there was no activities, no club. There was a boys club, but it was for younger kids, but nothing for teenagers. And so when we started our band, I started a teen club at the same time. Huh. And so the teen club, we, we, we rented the, uh, the Legion Hall because when you have organization like that, you can rent yeah. venues. And so we rent the Legion Hall. And then we started playing rock and roll downtown Calgary at the Legion Hall. And so you can imagine Saturday night was <laughs> packed. That's amazing. Wow. Packed. You couldn't breathe. There were so many people. But we had to stop at midnight because of the liquor laws. And so you got a thousand, you know, about a thousand teenagers converged and now, boom, it stops at midnight. What are we going to do? And so, oh, it was a mess for a while there. Like, there'd be some girl babysitting somewhere. And hey, there's a party over here. And so 300 people go to the, where the girl was babysitting and then ravage the house and, you know, just... Just like crazy teenagers, and so the mayor and the chief of police called us in into the mayor's office and sat us down and said, "We thought we we're going to get you know some kind of commendation for for helping teenagers with something to do, you know, give them yeah. something to do with their Saturday nights." <laughs> and the the mayor Don McKay at the time, he was the guy that started the white hat thing in Calgary, and, and the chief of police, and they were all there. And they said, wow. they said you have to leave town. <laughs> what? <laughs> Get out of Dodge. Did those, the, 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 there, was, there was a time, like, a lot of those, like, a lot of, like, the, uh, Canada was a lot like the wild, wild west. Yeah. Like, a lot, like, a lot, like, when Ronnie Hawkins and those kind of guys were yeah. touring around, yeah. like, it, w- it was pretty like, because it was city to city and there was nothing in between. So yeah, there, right. there was like in, in those times, like, you know, when the, you know, the band and stuff like that, because yeah. the, the, you know, the band, obviously yeah. they were Ronnie, they backed Ronnie Hawkins before Bob Dylan stole them. And so they yeah. were like playing the horseshoe all the time and stuff like that. But really similar stories. So, well, Hawkins and I, they, they were the East Coast band. We were the West Coast band oh, wow. and, and we knew about each other. 
you know, just from, from yeah. people talking. But our band was mostly black and, uh, and very heavy into blues, rhythm and blues. And so where, wherever we went, you know, we were groundbreakers, you know, and we had packed the joint. So when we got, when we got uh, told to get out of town, we said, uh, the drummer at, at the time was from Vancouver. He said, well, I can get us a gig in Vancouver. So yeah, let's go to Vancouver. So we went to Vancouver. And for the most part, everybody stayed there. But, they, uh, but then, the, you know, the band broke up. And then, we, then the same singer calls the same guys, only he called the name the band different. Little Daddy and the Bachelors. <laughs> Rebranded. Wow. Yeah. Little Daddy and the Bachelors. And none awesome. of us were bachelors. That's <laughs> you know that is. Oh man, we had the best time, and we were actually the first kind of punk rock because everybody in the band were, were you know, we weren't just little skinny musicians. You know, yeah. Uh, everyone had played hockey. Everyone had like, like we were thugs. You know, yeah, kinda, yeah. You know, street fighters. Yeah. You know, and and so a lot of times. You know how word gets out when there's some tough guy. Yeah. Well, they got to come down and check it out. Yeah. Well, the tough guys from Southwest Calgary heard about our band, and my brother was, was noted for being a very uh, brawler. You know, a yeah, tough yeah. guy, and that's what tough guys do. You know, oh, you think you're tough? Huh? Okay, let's go, let's yeah. go, let's go do it. And my brother and the toughest guy in Southwest Calgary. In between intermission, you know, they're duking <laughs> it out. They're duking it out. And it's serious duking, too, you know. I mean, they're like, uh, Chuck Moran was his what? name. It was the Moran Brothers, and he, he had just gotten out of jail. And when you're in jail in Canada, all you do is lift weights. Right. You know, that's yeah. all you did. You just lift weights and get buffed, more buffed. And so he was buffed, and he was kind of beating the shit out of my brother. And so... I, Intermission was up, so I said, okay, time, hold it, break. And so, so I separated them, and we went back and played the, played the rest of the game. What? Yeah. Did they go back after? No. No. Oh, no, nice. no. They both had respect. Oh, yeah. See, it was one of those kind of fights where they had to fight, but when someone, any excuse to break it up because it was going nowhere, you know, they were yeah, like equal. Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and so our band, everybody in the band was, was and, and like the singer, Little Daddy, was a, he could have been a pro football player until he fucked up his knee. But he, he, wow. uh, he was one of the fastest humans on earth ever. He could outrun a horse for 40 yards. Wow. <laughs> 40 yards, that's how fast he was. And he was, he was a prospect for the NHL and all that. Yeah. But he, he messed up his knee, and he, and he got into being a black singer. Oh. oh, when you met, when I first met him, he was a black football player. So he had, you know, the natural hair, everything else. But when he became a singer, he all of a sudden became like Wilson Pickett, you know, with the conked, oh. the conked hair and, the, you know, and the moody, the moody guy. You know? That's amazing. And Wes, Wes Henderson was a young kid, another black kid. He wasn't as tough as the rest of them. But my brother, I, I got my brother to play bass because uh, we, needed a bass, we needed a car in the band. We, could, we never had a car. My brother had a car. And we needed a bass player. And so I said, hey, you can be the bass player. So he took a couple of lessons <laughs> and started playing bass. It wasn't bad. I had to show him where to put his fingers. <laughs> That's amazing. He learned and then we, then, we had a, then we had a reunion uh, like 
50 years later, and we got on stage, I had to tell him, show him where to put his fingers. Same time, same again. That's great. <laughs> but what a great, what a great band when I think about it. Now, the, the, the sax player at the time, he was half black, and he was like six foot, maybe two or three. Big artist, incredible artist, but another football player. He, in fact, there was my brother was on the football team, uh, Pete Watts was on the football team, and, and Tommy. They were all on the same football team. My brother was like a, a linebacker. <laughs> so, so we all got all together. And so we would play these venues, you know, like we're you know, kind of prejudiced. Because if you get out, outside of Calgary, you're in Nazi land. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah, so we, yeah, we got, yeah. I, I, My video dead, one of my bands, we played... Um, Olds, Alberta? Lethbridge, I think. Lethbridge, yeah. yeah. And, and we had, we, had, we had, I was sitting there with Barney. We went to d- dinner with like these people from town and with the promoters and stuff like that. We like we heard that the, the KKK is still around there. We were kind of like laughing. We're like, is that a thing? Because it's kind of unheard of where we're yeah. from. Oh, yeah. And, and they're like... They're like, yeah, but if you knew our native problem, you'd understand. And we're like, oh shit, I'm having dinner with this shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's fucking sketchy. And, and it, like, uh, we just quietly ate and they got the fuck out of there. But oh it was, yeah, it's, it's our still hot out our there. Our car broke down one time. We're coming home and we never stop at these little towns between Calgary and Edmonton, Olds, Alberta, but we, because they weren't on the highway. They had a, like the highway highway was out here, and you had to drive another couple of miles to the town. But you could see the town. And so we, we went to the town, and Tommy was very dark. He blacks. Like he, there was a, um, a group of ex-slaves that settled north of Edmonton. And the reason they wouldn't settle in Edmonton was that Edmonton wouldn't let them settle there. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. They said, yeah, ex-slaves, you can come, but you had to go out of town. And uh, so they were at a little place called Amber Valley. Okay. And they stayed there, and then... Tommy and there's so many other Bernie Sneed, the uh, drummer for Three Dog Night. His his family's from uh, from that Amber Valley area. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, there's a there's a enclave there in, in Halifax too in New Brunswick. Was Three Dog Night Canadian? They weren't Canadian. Really? Yeah, they were. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Wow, Canadian. Yeah, and so. Uh, so when we would play it, like, oh, no, we're just walking. We're just middle of the day. And, and Tommy and I, and Tommy, like I say, it was very dark, and we're walking down the street. This lady come around the corner with bags of groceries, and she literally screamed. She looked at Tommy and went, screamed, and threw their bags in the air, and then just went running. And Tommy and I looked at each other, we thought, Fuck, we got to get off the street here. <laughs> yeah, so we so go into a pool room, and it's really dark. And, then, and you know, as your eyes get accustomed to the light, all these guys, all these like, like KKK guys looking at us, you know. Holy Ooh. fuck. But, but, you know, they were, it's just ignorance, you know. Yeah. They, they had no idea. They, 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 they read that. They read stuff. Yeah, like yeah. they and, and if they ever met anybody that ever met Tommy or any of the band, you know, yeah. and see how how beautiful and how what yeah. you know, yeah. solid people they are, then they and, they and lose yeah. that. Some people know. never grow up around anyone different than that. That's what I'm saying. I, I remember in this had to be like 1994 or something like that. I remember going to uh, Louisiana for the first time, and I was in Lake Charles. And this, this dude's like, hey, you guys can come crash in my house, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, man, sick, you know. Bring the band all back there. And he, this guy's little brother comes out of a room, and he looks at me, and he, I swear, he's like, 
this is 96. Are you a Mexican? And I said, yeah. And, and I'd never seen a Mexican before. You know what I mean? Not that long ago. So people and don't, don't grow up ever seeing someone no. different than themselves. You know? And that was astonishing. And his nice brother said, oh, it's Latino American. And I was, no, no, man, it's cool. It's Mexican. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. but it was just, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I've never been someone's first. Well, when I, met, <laughs> when, when, when I first met Cheech, that's exactly what I said. Are you really? Mexican? Yeah, dude, yeah. <laughs> you know, because he was he was faking it. We didn't know what he was. You know, he 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 was really straight, had short hair. He was a, into meditation, and he was getting out of the draft. And so he was he was changing this whole thing. Oh, Cheech, uh, we didn't know he was Mexican. Didn't know he was Mexican till we went down to L.A. What? I swear to God. Where did you meet? Where, where, like, where did you? Where did you guys meet? In Calgary. In Calgary? No, we oh, met in Vancouver. But Cheech got to get out of the draft. He ended up sneaking into Calgary. Wow. He got a landed immigrant status. Okay. Across the border there, you know, out of Montana yep. into yep. into into Alberta, and then up to Calgary. And he lived at Brad Creek, Alberta, which is a little colony outside of Calgary, where I, miles from where I grew up. Literally, mm-hmm. and uh, and he heard about me when when he was there from the bands and everybody else. You know, this Tom wow. Chong from Calgary. He, he was in the band scene too. Oh, well, Cheech was a singer. Yeah. He, yeah, he 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 would go to the folk clubs in in L.A. here. But when he was up, and then when he was up there, he was singing in, in a little uh, snake uh, in Brad Creek, a little little bar, little steakhouse. And uh, oh man, he was. Uh, yeah, when we met him, everybody, you know, what is he? I don't know. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's funny. When we came down to L.A., now we're in L.A., <clears throat> and we played, a, we got a gig, it was called the Irma Hotel on uh, Van Nuys Boulevard in Reseda. And sorry yeah. to interrupt, you were coming down here just kind of gigging like you were in the other We're kids. just trying to, well, we, no, we had teamed up. Uh, okay. See, up in Canada, we were a big uh, improv group. We had oh. topless dancers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're actresses. Yeah, yeah. And um, we had a lot of uh, four girls and about four, th- three or four guys, it depends. Uh, three guys, like me, uh, David, and, uh, and Cheech. And, and so when, the, when my brother fired us because we weren't making any money because <laughs> everybody quit, you know, when we turned it into a theater, everybody started acting like it was a theater and counting their change and not, not you know, spending money like the topless bar drunks do. Right. Know? And so my brother said, you know, we, this experiment is over. And so Cheech, everybody went back to doing what they were doing, and Cheech and I... Uh, we had, we were the ones that had nothing else to do, and so we so we teamed up, and we, we did a couple of gigs in uh, Vancouver. Comedy or, or comedy? Yeah, yeah. Just strictly comedy. Well, we put a band together. Yeah. Okay. That was the first thing we did because I was always thinking, uh, you know, I'm a musician. I'll always have a band, and so we we the first thing we did our first impulse because he was a singer, I'm a guitar player, so we put a band together. But we went out and did comedy, and we, ne- we couldn't get out of the comedy. Yeah. There was no reason to. Right. And so we did comedy, comedy, comedy. And the band, said, the bass player says, uh, Tom Labin, he, he, owned the, he was from the blues, 
to something. Uh, anyway, he says, so when's our next gig, boss? <laughs> Never played a note. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we, uh, we had a, quite a history. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I got to ask because it's kind of the nature of the show, but what was your, uh, w- w- your first time trying weed? Weed? Yeah. I can tell you exactly. It was night. I was um, 17 years old. Okay. We were in uh, a jazz, a little jazz club. The bass player, a jazz bass player named Raymond Ma, Chinese. He came back from L.A. and he had a Lenny Bruce record and a joint. And he says, this is for you. And I put the joint in my pocket. And so he lit up his own joint. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I got high for the first time. Wow. And what what an experience. Did you listen to that Lenny Bruce record? Later, but yeah. that night I listened to Ornette Coleman. Ornette Coleman? Yeah, he's a sax player, and he played a song called Lonely Woman. And I, I literally could see this woman on a balcony, just smoking and looking out. She's very lonely. I could, it just came. Wow. And, and after that experience, you know, then I went home and I had the, the whole joint... And I, I just smoked a couple of tokes every day for a month. Just toking up. Wow. Took a little toke, put it out, mm-hmm. listen to Lenny Bruce. And that that's what really got Cheech and Chong. Yeah. 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 Wow. Eventually ended up being Cheech and Chong because, you know, that's that's an album I just listened to every day, every day until it was like burned into my skull. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. I played it for my son, and he didn't laugh once. <laughs> <laughs> it was you had to be there. Yeah, yeah. I can I can see the Cheech and Chong records. You know, people playing them for their kids and go. Yeah, but but I like I like, and I was just thinking I was about to, like I was about to say comedy is is subjective to the times because comedy does date itself, but your guy's stuff yeah. has standed the test of time. Oh, pretty yeah. current. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty it's on remarkable. point. <laughs> like. Well, and, and a lot of the same issues are still you, going you on. Guys you guys kind of called it. Yeah. 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 We did. Yeah. Here we, we did. are. Yeah. Yeah. Even the immigration? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I remember they were stopping long hairs from going into Mexico. Yeah. And really? so, so, so we did a Mexican border guard. Alto! Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Mexico. Where are you going? <laughs> so good. <laughs> we used to laugh at that. So, Welcome to Mexico. Where are you going? It's so good. <laughs> Uh, Mexico? <laughs> and then uh, I acted like I was Jesus then. Uh, I'm going to see my children. And you have many children. Yes, I do. <laughs> what are you, a rock star? <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Oh, we had so much fun with those records. That's so great. Yeah, Cheech and I, we just... Yeah. Well, you know, we just work. It was so simple because we just appear anywhere, you know, and people laugh. And the next thing you know, uh, we were doing the Troubadour. Wow. And uh, they had uh, Hootenanny Night, folk singer. Like anybody, you know, right. anybody could sign up and, and sing a song or open mic. tell a joke, open mic. Yeah. Yeah. But you had to be there at nine o'clock in the morning to get in line so that you'd be first to go on sixth at, uh, at showtime. And so we would get there at nine o'clock and sit there all day 
in front of the troubadour uh, eating sunflower seeds. And, and then six o'clock would come and we'd sign up and we'd be the sixth act on the, on the, on the thing. And then uh, we, we got so popular that they were phoning me and say, are you, are you coming? Are you guys going to come down tonight? You know, and, and, and it, that's how popular we got. And then uh, the industry took notice. And then Lou Adler was in the audience one night, and we heard about it, and and then we signed a, a deal with them the next day. Wow! Yeah, it was as rags That's, to riches. Wow! Well, yeah, I, I, I really? Thought, yeah, we I, we really? I, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no please, please. I I, I just it, it's over. It, it seems like it's almost like how did you take that? It seemed like overwhelming, you know. Not really, not really, because, see, I had gone through the Motown experience, you know. Right. That's My right. My band had, had been discovered by Motown, so I went through that whole, uh, you know, that being discovered. Mm-hmm. So you were kind of prepared for it. Yeah, yeah, I was. That's cool. I, I was, and then, and then being around comedians, uh, because all the clubs we played up in Canada, they always mm-hmm. used to, uh, a lot of clubs that we played, they were all black clubs, and they mm-hmm. would always have... MC and mm. dancers and, and comedians, mm. comics. You More know. of a variety type setting. Yeah, yeah. total variety. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. yeah. There, there's one comedian from uh, Seattle, a black guy named Sir Pineapple, <laughs> and uh, he used. To, that's they come on. You know, they wouldn't do too much time. Maybe fifteen, twenty minutes. Yeah. You know, just hit them with some really good funny comedy, or they would MC it. But at the time, you know, you could get acts for next to nothing yeah you know and so you know everybody everybody worked you know you yeah. could work and so though when Cheech and I went to LA uh, I knew Red Fox from the Motown days and wow. so we uh, so we got it right into the clubs right away and it was so much fun we had yeah, the best so time because cool. when you when you hit a, a club with a with a good solid act you know and you're up against these, um, you know, these kids that are trying to be comedians or, right. or right. acts that are so bad that they can only do open mic nights. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, they're the only ones that would let them have it. And everybody's, you know, their, their acceptance thing is quite low. <laughs> you know, you got to put up with a lot of weird shit, you know. And then when Cheech and John would come on, we would hit them with some really solid, solid material and, so it was, we were always the star. Where we mm-hmm. went, That's you know. cool. That's so cool. That was. <laughs> That's we, a lot of fun. I feel like you're kind of one of the first groups to, or maybe popularized kind of the, there's a lot of comedians now that are doing, have mixed music with comedy and sure, it's, it's, writing songs. And you came from a songwriting background, yeah. obviously, first. But yeah. I, I feel like you kind of maybe set the pace for that. Could be. Could be, you know, there's a, like the Smothers Brothers, you know. They, right, they, true, they, yeah. They, but the Smothers Brothers, were they, they played the straight uh, drinking crowd, mm-hmm. and they right. were cute. They're always cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They couldn't get down and dirty. Yeah, they were Lenny more Bruce friendly. Could get, Lenny Bruce could get down oh, yeah. and dirty. Lenny Bruce is true, great. yeah. See, it was Lenny. See, Len, Lenny was like the outlaw. Yeah. yeah. One time, uh, Lenny, the, uh, what's her name, the black singer? Uh, Pearl Bailey. Mm-hmm. Pearl Bailey is one of those, you know, entertain everybody and yeah. everybody having a good time. And, and oh, there's Lenny Bruce in the house. Lenny, come on up here, Lenny, Lenny. Well, when you're uh, an outlaw comedian, you can't 
change over <laughs> just yeah. because oh. someone says, hey, Lenny, come on. And, and Lenny said, that's not a good idea. He goes, no, no, no. Oh, Lenny, don't be like that. Oh, come no. on up here. So oh, Lenny, no. Lenny gets a fire extinguisher <laughs> and he goes out and he sprays Pearl Bailey with what? that foam. Holy shit. What? <laughs> <laughs> up her hair, her wardrobe, oh, so the show. Uh, but, you know. People must have been losing their minds, though. The, oh. Well, you know, the, the hardcores are on the floor laughing oh, yeah. and dying. Yeah. You know, and all the straight ones are... Just well, shock. See, see <laughs> that's Cheech and Chong. See, we had to keep doing that line. And so the only one of the only straight uh, shows we were on was Dick Clark's Raider Record. Oh. He wanted us on there because we were selling records. Mm-hmm. And so I, I told Dick, I told... Uh, and the producers, I said... Listen, we're going to tear the set up. So, you know, just don't get in the way. <laughs> don't, no, I don't want anybody to get hurt. But when we write a record, there's going to be a lot of weird stuff going on. So just, you know, just warn everybody, you know, it, it's, it's all part of the act, but don't, don't get in the way so you get hurt, you know. So, so the. <laughs> Brought Cheech and Chong out to rate a record, and <laughs> Cheech Chong looked like a little gang guy. You know, hey, what's going on, man? And and I come out I, like a biker, and I got a chain. And so they said, "So what do you think of the record?" Hey, man. Okay. Hey, hey, but, hey, Chong. What do you think of this record, man? I'll tell you what I think of this record, man. <laughs> I take the chain and I just destroyed the whole set. What? Well, wow. it, it's your most popular uh, uh, little uh, thing from that show. From that year, Dick Clark, he played it every year. He loved it. He loved it because it was the first really ad-lib, tear up this thing. Then they had us on the Helen Reddy show. Same thing, you know, because when they saw that, okay, we got to go on Helen Reddy. And so we told Helen, we did a skit, uh, the dating game. Remember the dating game? And so I told the actor next to me that I says. Uh, we're gonna start. We're, we're gonna start fighting. So I said, "Don't fake it. Fight back." I'm going. To, I'm going to. Uh, you know. We got to make it real. I said. So whatever I do, I said, "Don't." It's not acting. It's it's for real. And he was cool. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. And so he started insulting Cheech and these. And, he's, and, he's, and he insulted teachers. You know, like he, there's three of us there, and, and Helen's the girl that we got to get. And so, <laughs> so teachers, uh, Chicano. And so the guy goes, something, see, so he said something rude about the Chicano. And I told him, hey, man, you know, <laughs> watch your mouth, man. <laughs> and he goes, Oh, yeah? Like, what are you going to do about it? So I grabbed him in a headlock, and I flung his ass down. Yeah, you know, you know the old kids, how you wrestle, you yeah. know, you get a headlock, and if you squeeze hard enough, they're trying to get away, you know, yeah. trying to get their head out, and so it's nice action, you know? Yeah. 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 And so we, we, oh, we <laughs> tore up that set again That's and didn't amazing. tell anybody. We didn't, we didn't tell too many people, just the ones that needed to know, you know. So it was, uh, and Cheech, in the meantime, while we're fighting, Cheech is over hitting on Helen Redding. Hey, man. <laughs> really? 
hey, baby, hey, hey, go with me, man. You know, hey, hey, I got a car, man. Hey, hey, you're looking good, hey. What? Yeah, I like that dress, man. What? <laughs> yeah. did, uh, did it get hard to separate where, like, the Cheech and Chong humans ended and the comedy began at, at these points? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it did. It did. And that's what kind of ended our career. What? Because Cheech went, he got serious. Mm. Yeah, he got serious, and and he really wanted to be an actor. You know, he he wanted to hang with Don Johnson, and yeah. you know, and he did. He did a hell of a job. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, and Spy Kids and everything else. Mm -hmm. But but the the we we played that, and now we're back. Kind of mm -hmm. you know, not not as crazy. Yeah. You know, obviously, although my wife opens. You know, Shelby. Because what happened, I, I got on the road by myself. After Cheech and I broke up, mm -hmm. there was a, I, I, I didn't do anything for about a year or two. No, I, I shot a movie on my own. I shot a couple. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't the same, you know, without Cheech. And so then I started, then I, started, I saw uh, Dennis Miller in, live in Calgary. I mean, in, in Vancouver. Mm doing comedy and so i went so you down. headed back to canada did you move back to canada that yeah time? oh yeah i was back and forth okay you know we had a house up there you know we got rich i had a yeah. house in in vancouver you know, one yeah. in la and so we went up to the la house i mean the vancouver house and uh and i was in uh dennis miller i i met dennis because he he's married to a vancouver girl and he said i said you know what are you up to and he's like well, i'm working the the comedy room uh tomorrow which was, I think it was New Year's Eve. Anyway, I said, oh, shit, I want to go see it. So I went down there, and I watched him, and I got the bug. Mm. I got the bug. And I went back to see him, and Dennis is pacing the floor, and he, he said to me, do you still get nervous before you go on? And I have been on stage for, by that time, a couple of years. And, you know, ever, and never by myself. Always with Cheech. Right. And, I had a, and I thought about it. I said, no, no. I guess I did get, no, we never got nervous because there was, you know, mm. we were always tearing up something, so <laughs> nothing, to yeah. be nothing to be nervous yeah. about. Everyone else was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they still are. Yeah. Wow. We were on the Colbert show just recently, and they wouldn't have us as guests. What? They Why? had us as satellite. We are in the same studio. What? Same set. And they sat Cheech and I down and, uh, like we were a satellite. Like in other words, that's put ridiculous. It, they, they put us in jail. They Why? What was the what was because the, they wanted to make sure nothing weird they, happened. Troll. They they so what? They, they, that's they, disappointing with the Colbert show because he seemed well, like he would be fucking with it. Yeah, well, they, you know, they, they're they're just very, yeah. you know, they got burned too many times. You know, yeah, it's that's like, coming from the network. I'm sure like at that point. Bob Bob, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Bobcat burned them, you know, and Bobcat yeah. said. Jay Leno's couch on fire and, yeah. you know, Robin Williams, you, you couldn't control him or Jim Carrey and all those guys, you know, you can't yeah. control them, yeah. you know? And so they thought Cheech and, and they, they knew our history. So yeah. right away, Cheech and Chong, we're, we're like in jail. Yeah. We're like sitting there. We couldn't move. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, um, you know, everyone gets you sidetracked, but it's funny. Like I, like I, the late night comedy thing is just something that I'm just kind of really into I think the HBO movie that it was about the Letterman Leno thing a long time ago got me into it and I really got into old Leno or sorry Letterman stuff and um, it's funny that you say that because at that time when Letter Letterman was younger he, he was kind of the guy still leading the charge there's like stuff that he was like throwing watermelons off the roof of fucking yeah. NBC or CBS or whatever, whatever. Times I, I think Square. it was NBC right 
it's pretty um comedy was so much different then yeah yeah there was it was like a lot more renegade and especially like yeah. that the late 70s eight like 80s and or like 70s through 80s yeah. well the, the big revolution was going on yeah. from the 60s on right yeah, See, yeah, all, so, yeah, 80s, so even 60s, yeah remember you know like the 70s was all riots you know yeah. la was burning yeah. <laughs> and if la yeah. wasn't burning washington was burning or detroit they're all there are riots all from the 60s on up yeah. right after kennedy got nailed wow then then the riots started happening you know the L.A. riots, the Watts riots, uh, yeah, all of, uh, we forget about that. But totally, you know, the, when I went to Detroit to play with Motown, Detroit was smoldering; it was in ruins. It was like a war zone. Wow! And there were signs up there. <laughs> One sign says "Soul Brother," S O L E brother <laughs> that was great oh my god that's so great <laughs> and burned to the ground oh, fuck. Wow. yeah yeah my I, my girlfriend now wife shelby who's on the road with us she was my girlfriend at the time you know and she was pregnant and she was she followed me or she came with me to detroit and and she she She's just a little angel, you know, a little blonde angel, blue eyes. And she would get on the bus in the ghetto and, and, and take it downtown to another ghetto. <laughs> and she looked like a, a mirage, <laughs> you know, wow. a little white girl in a little cute outfit waiting for the bus. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, they, and they were like, it was war zone, you know. I mean, I was... They kind of thought I was something, not, not white, but they thought it was something, mm -hmm. you know. But there's no mistake in the other guys in the band, you know, the guy that wrote the song with me, he was super white from from, from uh, Vancouver, and and he would he would get hassled all the time by the by the black militants, you know. Really? Like one time, <laughs> Bobby Taylor, the singer, had him in this. This is Linwood. This is where the riot started. This is where the riot, the Detroit riot started, a little restaurant there. And Bobby's in there. And, and uh, Tom Baird, the white kid from Vancouver, never had chitlins before. And so Bobby talked him into ordering some chitlins. And Tom took a bite and he goes, <laughs> Disgusting. And these black guys sitting at the other table said, you're going to eat every one of those motherfuckers. Oh, man. Wow. And then Bobby pulled out his gun and said, I don't, Tom, you don't have to eat shit, man. Oh, wow. actually, Actually, that's what you were eating. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It got, it got gnarly. What? It got gnarly, yeah. Oh, yeah. Our, our, <laughs> we, we, we got discovered as a black band in Vancouver. Barry Gordy. Uh, Diana Ross saw us first, and she loved the group. And then she phoned Barry, who she was uh, having an affair with. So Barry flew down to see her and, 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 and the band. He loved us, signed us up right away. And then he forgot about us. And so we, we had to make our way, because Bobby Taylor, you know, he's an old pro. And so he knew right away, you know, when you get signed like that, you got to follow the guy until right. you get paid, you know. You can yeah. just follow him around wherever he goes. And so... So we uh, we gigged our way to to uh, Detroit, but we started off with a when we got discovered, it was a black man, and and so everybody was all happy we got discovered. So the 
organ player Leroy and the drummer Freddie Miller were from, from Portland. So they wanted to go home for the holidays, you know, and tell everybody, you know, we, we got signed with Motown. <laughs> so they, crazy. Yeah, so they, they go across the border. They forgot that they had to sneak into Canada. And so they go across the border. They think, oh, we're Motown now. And so coming back to Canada, they said, yeah, we're with Motown. And they said, well, let me see your visas. Let me see your work permit. Let me see your ID. Well, who are you? Before, you just flashed ID and just got in. You were tourists. You got in. But now they wanted to know who you are. Well, Freddie had a record. <laughs> Leroy was, never had a permit or anything else. And the minute one of you is dirty, then boom, you're both out. And so they couldn't get back in. And so we had to replace them with, with, with white guys from Vancouver. Oh, wow. What? <laughs> and so what started out as a black band ended up mostly white. <laughs> For Canadians. Oh, man, it was funny. They got rot one time in, the, in Chicago. We, we all played the chilling circuit, you know, yeah. with the yeah. song. And, and there again, you know, these are, these are little white guys from, from Toronto. <laughs> And they're in Chicago, and just walking down the street, got mugged. Oh, man. Broad daylight. And so they went to the cops. The cop says, are you going to press charges? And they said, yeah. He said, are you sure you're going to press charges? Because if you're going to press charges, I know who robbed you. I can go get them right now. But if you're not going to hang around for the court case and press charges, then there's no need for me to do anything. And so they thought about it, and they said, no, we're not going to press charges. They let it go. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Whoa. Holy shit. <laughs> I know. I, I... <laughs> what? Oh, I've had, I, I got some really good war stories from the road, you know, being with Motown. Yeah. After we had our hit record, we went on tour with um, Diana Ross, and, <laughs> and we went all through the South, and it was on a bus, on a bus, sitting up bus. No, it wasn't a tour, tour bus. bus. Yeah, 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 it was, it was a passenger a, bus. It was an old passenger bus. And I found a little spot in the back where you could hang your clothes, and there was a little area below, and I got a couple of pillows, and I got a little bed there. <laughs> wow. And at first everybody said, oh, man, what are you doing? Yeah. And after that, I, I couldn't get in there because there was always someone in there someone before Someone sneaking me. in there. <laughs> oh, the rest of the band. No, we had a we had a hell of a time, man. Wow, Diana wow. Ross, that's fucking crazy. So then, so you and Cheech, that what what year? What did you? So you and Cheech split up, and then so most of the eighties, you're kind of <clears throat> we we split up eighty probably eighty four eighty four. What what we did? We our last movie was in eighty one, which was the Corsican Brothers. Right, yeah. right. And in the Corsican Brothers, we split up. Right, yeah. We literally yeah. split up. Wow. We have an argument. I think it's that way. No, it's that way. I think so we, he went to Spain, <laughs> and I went to, to France. I became a revolutionary. He became a, a Spanish uh, food connoisseur, <laughs> for want of a better word. And then we joined up again. But in the Corsican Brothers, that was one movie. Cheech didn't really want to do the Corsican Brothers. Okay. And he said, we can't be doing the dope movie anymore. And so I said, fine, no problem with me, you know, because I'll, I'll try something new. Yeah. And the Corsican Brothers was perfect, you know, to try mm -hmm. it. And we did. We had a good time, and it worked. And, uh, but by that time, Cheech was really on to me, my, my directing 
thing, you know, the way I directed him. Because I would get him talking about his past and everything else, and he'd tell me a funny story, and then we'd put in a movie. And that that's mm-hmm. how we would do it. I, I always kept it near the funny, you know, the, the family mm-hmm. thing. And so we always had that, that, that great, great humor. But for acting, you know, he was just really playing himself, all the Cheech and Chong movies. That's mm-hmm. what made him really? so good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what made him so, so real. That's just how he was. Yeah, well, that, he, he could take the, on that lowrider persona so good. The way that happened, it was weird because, like I said, when he was in, in uh, Calgary, dodging the draft he he was this like a university graduate he talked like one you know english major and he was very anti as far as you could get for a low rider as possible right. totally educated and that's what he gravitated back to you know because he was one of the first he was the first jeopardy champion celebrity champ that's how good he was you know really yeah yeah the that's first cool. one he beat anderson cooper <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, Dang. yeah. He was. He is. Uh, he's had a photogenic memory. He's not so good now, but, so cool. but through age. But yeah. And so when we got to Bang to L.A. and we're playing at in Reseda in this little little club, and it's a dance club, and the people had to stop dancing to watch our show, and that pissed them off, you know. And so it wasn't a good. It wasn't that comedy store audience it was that right no oh, what do we got to watch these guys for mm-hmm. and so we did one show and then the second show i told cheech i said no listen man we you got to come you're from here i said there must be a character that you can pull up and and just the night before that we were standing outside and this low rider pulled up and he goes hey man you can tell us how to get to van nuys and we say you're on van nuys he goes oh okay thanks man <laughs> <laughs> and he that's drove amazing. off. And he drove off. And so Cheech, that's his character. And then I showed him this uh, bit that Sir Pineapple did, where you where you wipe down a car so you can create a car, you know, just out of thin air. Right. And just by cleaning it off, cleaning out the windows, you know. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you got a car, and then he opens the door, he gets in. He, he's in a lowrider. See. And so I showed him that bit, and then we, then I, I, I was the red freak, you know, the, hey, red freak, want to ride, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was history. That was, what, 40-some-odd years ago. Wow. Yeah. And like you say, Dang. it's still, it's still it, you, totally relevant. Yeah. yeah. It, you said, um, at the, so I, I had the pleasure of like, uh, help working on an, uh, an event, you know, not with you, but we sponsored it, the company I was with at the time. Um, and you said at that event, it was, a, it was a thing at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, that uh, off the first record, you guys probably wouldn't have had to work again. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like it did so well. You sold, how, what was it, 30, 30 million copies? Oh, I, can't remember, I can't remember the number. It was, it was so some fucking wild. Some crazy, crazy numbers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if, uh, the thing is, you know, back in the day, you know, the record companies owned everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's the way it was, you know. Uh, and uh, it was the, the the movie Up in Smoke was the, the movie. If we had a had a decent share, there wouldn't have been any more movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But thank God, you know, we never. And that, thank God, we're we still have to work. You know, mm-hmm. wow. Because there's, you know, 
there's nothing like work. It's, mm-hmm. it's so much fun, mm-hmm. you know, especially, you know, I got my wife. Well, what happened when Cheech and I broke up, I was out there by myself. Mm-hmm. It was okay on stage, but off stage, right. oh, man, you know. I got a beautiful woman wandering around L.A. alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not going to be long before she finds a friend. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I said, you know, if this is going to work, I've got to have to bring her with me. Yeah. And so she was acting at the time, and so I said, uh, how about if I put you in the show? She said, okay. And so she started up just inter- introducing me. Mm-hmm. And then start doing bits, and then start doing her own bit. And now, now she does twenty-five, thirty minutes wow. in front, and then uh, and then in between, Cheech and Chong. So oh, really? she, yeah, yeah, she's a solid comedian now. She's so, that's so cool. She's so good that that, it's really cool. that I told her that you know she should start thinking about doing solo, you know, solo mm-hmm. work because she's 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 got the chops. Yeah, cool. Because that's all it takes, you know. You yeah. just got to do it enough times, you know. Yeah. yeah. And she's so beautiful, but and Cheech, Cheech, well, we're both now. We're both like glad we have something to do, mm-hmm. and and it's so relevant still. because mm-hmm. so many of our contemporaries are they quit. This episode yeah. was presented by Pot Guide and WikiLeaf. Please follow ITW on Twitter and Instagram at Get Into The Weeds. You can follow Ben Rispin at Ben Rispin. You can follow Ephraim Martinez Schulz at F by Stereo. And me, Bubba Nicholson at Bubba Nicholson. ITW's theme music was written by Jacob Bergsma of My Son the Hurricane. Visit them at www.msthofficial.com. Special thanks to our friends at Puff Digital, Program Skate and Sound, and the Slide Bar in Fullerton, Orange County. Sound engineering provided by Roman Marconi at Halo Studios Hamilton. ITW was created by Ben Rispin and is produced by Master Volume.